Now, would you please turn with me to your study outline? And uh, as you do, you can see how to, if you'd like to access it on your mobile device or your smartphone, you can see how to do that behind me. Uh, or if you would like to use um, good old-fashioned paper, that's always available out in the lobby as well. And I uh, just want to mention, you know, as Lisa talked about Easter, if you didn't get a chance to see the great article that was in the newspaper. It was just awesome. And the only thing that disappointed me in it is that Pastor Brian's picture was in color and mine was in black and white. And so, Brian... <laughs> You know, well, you know, that's very upsetting to me. So it's going to be like a David and Saul kind of thing where I throw a spear at him. But speaking of Pastor Brian, as we come to our new series, I've never heard a sermon on. And by the way, I hope there hasn't been any, a little confusion as to which uh, campus has what series. So just to review, uh, Pomona in the morning and Rancho in the morning has Fearless. Then here at, at night at Claremont is I Never Heard a Sermon On, where we took input from you on Palm Sunday night, and we asked, what have you never heard a sermon on? And so then the teaching team were kind of divvying them up and, and picking different ones, and I tell you, they are all over the place, okay? The number one was dinosaurs, so that's what we're starting with here tonight. I think it was number one or tied for number one, I believe. Um, boy, there was someone there, a nine-year-old put, I've never heard a sermon on cake, and so I don't know if anybody's going to take that on cake. I'm not sure on that. Uh, one uh, said, I've never heard a sermon on Donald Trump. I don't know if anybody's going to take that one on. I uh, might just leave that one alone for, um, uh, for safety reasons. But at any rate, it has really been fun just to see the different ones that people have said. Uh, next Sunday night, uh, Pastor Brian is going to be doing one on spiritual warfare. Oh my goodness, Pastor Brian on spiritual warfare, your hair is going to be on fire when you leave. I'm telling you, that is going to be something that is going to be earth shattering. As a matter of fact, Pastor Lisa has a t-shirt that will advertise that particular thing. I think if it's the one I think that Michelle wears, okay, I want to be the kind of woman that when my feet hit the ground each morning, the devil says, oh crap, she's up. Okay, so there you go. Want to be the kind of woman when the devil, when, the, when she, the, her feet hit the floor, the devil says, oh boy, uh, you know, here, here she is. I shouldn't have said that. I should have done a substitute word, uh, Lisa. Uh, oh rats, uh, you know, she's up. We got trouble. Spiritual warfare is going to take uh, place. And so uh, Pastor Brian is going to be um, uh, preaching on that. Um, so this new series, I've never heard a sermon on. Tonight we're starting uh, with uh, dinosaurs. One thing I forgot to say is, you know what, we're still, uh, they haven't, all the topics haven't been chosen yet. And so Pastor Lisa, Pastor Brian, would you walk these around? If anybody still wants to vote, here is a ballot. Does anybody still want to vote? You can get your vote in because we're doing this series throughout April and May. Now, um, I have to admit, I did not realize that this subject can be controversial. And um, I, now I know why Pat, you've never heard a sermon on it, because pastors don't want to deal with it. Um, it, was, it was actually semi-humorous. I actually ended up debating one of my friends this morning after the 945 service, and we're standing there arguing right next to the communion table. So we've just uh, had beautiful union in Christ by sharing the Lord's Supper together, and now we're uh, debating about um, what I will possibly share here tonight. So please, um, let's all be friends. Uh, uh, let's love each other. I don't want the young earth uh, versus the old Old Earth having fist fights out in the vestibule. Uh, please take your fights out into the parking lot, okay? So anybody's going to have a fight over this, take it out into the parking lot. Uh, let me talk about, first of all, just some of the things on dinosaurs that we can all agree about. 
Here are just some interesting facts as uh, behind dinosaurs. Did dinosaurs really exist? Well, each side, old earth and young earth, as I'm going to get into in a moment, everybody agrees that yes, they did exist. Nobody that I know of uh, denies that, that dinosaurs actually existed. Um, when were dinosaurs found? In the 1820s, a man named Gideon Mantell, an English doctor, found some unusual teeth and bones in a quarry. And he realized that this was a totally different group of reptiles. And then a British scientist by the name of Dr. Richard Owen coined the, the name Dinosauria, which means terrible lizard. And so that's what dinosaur means. It means terrible lizard. Now, what makes dinosaurs different? I didn't know this. Probably the 11-year-old boys in the audience know this. I did not know this. Other than their huge size, which some of them are huge, not all, as we're going to see, but the major feature that distinguishes them from other reptiles, like crocodiles, is the position of their limbs. Uh, Dinosaurs had posture that was fully erect, uh, similar to that in mammals. Uh, Most other reptiles have limbs in a sprawling position. For example, compare the way a a crocodile walks. You know, it kind of waddles across the ground to the way a cow walks. Uh, Dinosaurs move more like a cow with their limbs underneath them. And so when dinosaurs walked, it was more like walking as opposed to like crocodiles today, which more like they waddle. Um, How big were dinosaurs? Uh, Some were as small as chickens and even smaller. And so they weren't all large. Some of them were small. Uh, Some, however, were very large, weighing an estimated 80 tons and standing 40 feet high. But the average size, if you average out all dinosaurs, would be about the size of a large sheep or or a a bison. Okay, that's the non-controversial part. We got the easy part over that everybody tends to agree with. Because like I said, it can be uh, controversial. Uh, Even it can be divisive. I remember talking to a lady who um, that was really questioning whether she was going to join our church or not, because in our statement of faith, we didn't have a young earth statement within our statement of faith. And so she was really struggling, loved everything else about the church, but just thought that one might prevent her. So let me tell you the approach that our church takes uh, to the issue of dinosaurs. Um, a, a quote that we often use, we believe it was from Augustine, who was a pastor in 400 AD. It's attributed to him. It could have been uh, somebody else, but we believe it was Augustine. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. Okay, what do we mean by that? Uh, we believe that the things that we uh, believe are clearly taught within the Bible, we need to have unity as a church. Okay, those things that are uh, without question, all believers uh, tend to read it and, and agree that, yes, this is what the Bible teaches. On those things, we need to have unity. In non-essentials, by now, by non-essential, I don't mean that they're not important. I think it's important to have convictions on a lot of things within the Christian life. But by non-essential, we mean the things that aren't as clear within Scripture, how sincere believers can believe different things um, in reading the Scriptures, can interpret it differently, but they can still be in the same church, and you can have liberty uh, to believe the way that you see fit personally, and you can be in the same church with with somebody that believes differently than you do on these secondary issues, what we call non-essential to salvation issues. But in all things charity, it is love that leads us to be able to have uh, discussions on this, debates on this, discussions on this, and still love each other. Let me give you an example, uh, an easy example on this. Is the end times, the fact that Jesus is coming back. We have in our statement of faith as a church, at Purpose Church, that Jesus is going to return. And we believe we need to be unified on that, that Christ is going to return. But the exact order of events, you know, pre-mill, pre-trib, you know, ah-mill, 
um, uh, pan-millennial. It's all going to pan out in the end. I don't know what your position is. Um, by the way, that was a joke. And uh, it was told, it's the oldest joke. It was told by John to Peter over a campfire in, one, uh, in 98, 80 AD. I better make sure they're all alive when I say that joke took place. So there anyway. But, um, you know, we can disagree on exactly the order of events, how it's going to happen, that kind of thing. We can have liberty. And so we have many different opinions within our church. But the fact that Jesus is going to return, that's an essential, clearly taught within Scripture, that we need to have unity on. So, uh, how does that uh, apply uh, to what the subject we're talking about tonight? Um, Who created the world is non-negotiable. Clearly taught within Scripture, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So the who is non-negotiable. It's in our statement of faith. God's the creator, okay? Not random chance, uh, not randomness events. Uh, God is the one that created the world. So we need to be unified on the who. But we can have Christian liberty on the how it happened and when it happened. And I know this can be difficult. There's a struggle because some people would say, no, this should be in the other category. And there are churches that have in their statement of faith um, a young earth position. We have chosen not to do that. So the thing we're unified on is the who. God created the heaven and the earth. But the how and the when, we leave that up to individual liberty. And there are a variety of opinions and approaches on that uh, within our church family. Now, Uh, The two approaches are the old earth approach on the front page and on the back page, uh, the young earth approach, okay? Old earth approach on the front page, uh, new earth approach on the back. Now, there is a tendency, as I get into the old earth approach, for people to say, oh, that approach, you know, that the church, that the uh, earth is old, like, you know, uh, secular scientists say that it is old, that's just caving in uh, to the evolutionists. That's just caving in to the pressure of the day and age in which we live. But, you know, historically, that's absolutely not true. An old earth approach and option has been here almost from the beginning. Augustine had an old earth approach. Uh, It is not something that is just people caving in uh, post-Charles Darwin, post-evolution, post the pressure that we face today to conform. It has been an option from the very beginning. I remember my dad uh, was a geology major at a very conservative Christian college in, you know, the late 1930s. And yet he believed in what was called the day-age approach, which I'm going to share here right now, that each of the days that are talked about in Genesis chapter 1 are an actual span of time, an age of time, not a literal 24-hour day. And so my dad had a very conservative position, conservatives, you know, all the way back, 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, they, they had that same position. And so I do want to defend the old earth approach as saying, oh, it's just caving into contemporary pressures. That's not true. You can look back and see that option uh, presented all through church history, uh, the old earth uh, versus uh, the new earth. So it all boils down to this question, whether you are old earth or new earth or, or, or young earth. And that is, how long is a day in Hebrew? Hebrew word for day is yom. And so the big question is, uh, is is Yom only a 24-hour day, uh, you know, only 24-hour day, or can it mean other things, other other meanings for that Hebrew word Yom than a literal 24-hour day? And so this is not a liberal versus a conservative uh, issue, okay? This is simply two different approaches that sincere Christians have held to. Now, let me give you something right off the bat that you're going to want to write down. Write down these two names because this will go much deeper into what we're talking about here tonight, okay? 
Uh, if you want more on the old earth approach, okay, write this name down, Hugh Ross, H-U-G-H, Ross, R-O-S-S. We've had him speak at our church. Uh, he, you can go onto his website. It's called Reasons to Believe, Hugh Ross, H-U-G-H, Ross, R-O-S-S, Reasons to Believe, and you will get much more on the old earth or the day age uh, approach uh, to uh, creation and to the issue of dinosaurs. Um, if you want a more of a young earth perspective and more information on that, write these, this name down, Ken Ham, Ken, K-E-N, a ham, I think it's one or two M's, uh, I can't remember if it's one or two M's, but Ken Ham, okay, like a ham that you eat, okay? Ken Ham, young earth, Hugh Ross, Old earth. Okay, let's dig into it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day, yom. Now, here's, the, here's what we believe. If you're young earth... You believe the only meaning for Yom in this context is a 24-hour day. But if you're old earth, you believe that there are four different meanings of the Hebrew word Yom. Because in Hebrew, there are very few nouns. And so nouns carry multiple meanings because they have so few nouns in the Hebrew language. And so one meaning is a literal 24-hour day. But another meaning, possible meaning, is a long, finite period. And so there are two other meanings beyond that, but we won't talk about those. But just those two, yom can mean a literal 24-hour day. It can also mean a long, finite period if you take the old earth approach. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under, uh, under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Now you can see that you can't really have a 24-hour day until you have a sun and a moon. And so the first day that actually could have been literal 24 hours is the fourth day. This is from an old earth approach. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and it moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. 
Okay. Now, what can everybody agree on, uh, regardless of your approach to creation? Who created the universe? God. He's the, uh, that's something we all agree on. Now, when it comes to dinosaurs, um, the old earth approach puts dinosaurs in day five, the day we just read. But as you're going to see in a moment, the young earth approach puts dinosaurs in day six. So old earth puts it in day five, young earth puts it in day uh, six. Now, let me tell you some things that are miraculous for the old earth approach. Uh, These were written, we believe, by Moses around 1400 B.C., And yet, there is a miraculous order of events that coincides with what the scientists have discovered about the universe. Now, Hugh Ross would say that there are actually not just one creation account. There are actually 20 different creation accounts throughout the Bible. And so there's Genesis 1, there's Genesis chapter 2, there's Job chapter 38 and 39. And there are 20 different creation accounts that he would, uh, if you go to his website, you can identify or get the book that identifies those 20 different creation accounts. And if you pull them all together, you will find, he says, that it is absolutely miraculous how in 1400 B.C., Moses writes down the exact precise order in which scientists now believe uh, that the earth was formed and the order of events as it took place. Now, the day-age theory is that these are not literal 24-hour days, but they are periods of time. So that allows within day five the three periods when we have dinosaurs. Uh, The Triassic period, 252 to 201 million years ago. Now, what's amazing about this is that all the dinosaurs go extinct in the Triassic period. They all go extinct. And then they come back again in a totally different form in the Jurassic period, which takes place within 10,000 years, which is nothing. There is no chance. The amazing thing about this is they go through all these years of 50 million and there is no, virtually no change. Then they all go extinct, and then a brand new, practically overnight, in, in terms of these kind of times, within 10,000 years, practically overnight, after the other old ones go extinct, a brand new group, uh, totally different, comes into existence. And the only way to explain that is the work of God. There is no time uh, for evolution to take place in order for that to happen. It is a miraculous bolt of lightning with this whole new group. Uh, Jurassic period, 201 to 145 million years ago, they go extinct. Brand new group comes. Crustaceous period, 145 million to 66 million years ago. Okay, just one little side note that you can impress your friends with um, uh, over uh, dinner or, or someplace else where you go uh, tonight. Who was the star of the movie Jurassic Park? Uh, who would you say? Well, some... Some would say one. Uh, there are two possible answers. I'm looking for one of those two answers. Who, what type of dinosaur was the star? The T-Rex, yes. You could say Velociraptors because they were pretty scary. But the T-Rex is probably the scariest of them all. Well, one little interesting thing. The movie's called Jurassic Park, but T-Rex are from the Crustaceous period. So you can look really smart someday and just roll your eyes and say, well, you know, the T-Rex is from the Crustaceous uh, period. Okay. What caused the extinction of the dinosaurs from the old earth uh, perspective. Okay, here are some possibilities. They starved to death. Overeating. So they either starved to death or they overate. Um, Their cholesterol got high and they all had heart attacks. And uh, Poisoned. 
blind from cataracts and could not reproduce. I don't want to think about that very long. Okay, anyway. Um, Mammals ate their eggs. Volcanic dust. Poisonous gases. Sunspots. Meteorites. Mass suicide, which I didn't read up on that. I have no idea what happened uh, to cause that. Constipation is one possibility. That is literal. It is true. Parasites. Shrinking brain. They just got too stupid to live. Kind of like some of the drivers on the 10 freeway, you might say. Okay. Slip discs with those big bodies. That would be a major problem. Changes in the composition of the air. But most people would point towards um, uh, either a series of comets, a comet that broke into pieces, and there are five major impact parts, uh, points right along the United States-Canadian border. Uh, They would either say a combination of that and an asteroid that hit the Yucatan uh, Peninsula in Mexico. And both of these events threw up so much dust in the air. It was like a nuclear winter. They say if there's a nuclear war, it'll kick up so much stuff into the atmosphere that it'll make a nuclear winter. And so they either choke to death or they eventually uh, starve to death. So the old earth approach, that's where dinosaurs fit in. They are no problem uh, or struggle with those within the old earth approach. Okay, let's go young earth. Turn the page over. All right. Again, if you want more information on old earth, Hugh Ross. If you want more on young earth, Ken Ham. Here's the young earth approach. And here again, what I would say is Christians can be in the same church and be friends with each other, even if one is young earth and one is old earth. You can have different views of the end times. You can be young and old earth. You can vote differently in the next election. That's the hardest one of all uh, for Christians to get along with. Uh, And so uh, you could be young. In our church, we really believe, as long as you say God created it, um, you can have a young earth approach or an old earth approach. Okay, here's the young earth approach. Literal 24-hour days. Creation took place around 4,000 B.C. or about 6,000 years ago. Interesting thing, there was this bishop, uh, James Usher, and he was a 17th century Irish bishop. And he actually, by taking the genealogies, and by the way, that's another thing within Scripture that we, we don't know. Like, are the genealogies, are they, you know, are they complete genealogies or are they simply um, uh, certain ones and groupings? And so there could be not just a lifespan before, you know, so-and-so begat so-and-so. It could just be the highlights of a genealogy. Others would say, uh, no, these are literal genealogies. And you, the same debate goes on with Jesus' genealogy as well. Are they like, like with you? Do they just cover your great-grandparent and then your great-great-great-great-great-grandparent and then your, you know, just the highlights of your genealogy? Or are they every generation, every person genealogy? But by taking literal one person per generation named in the genealogies in Genesis, he came up with the creation date as October 23rd, 4004 uh, B.C. And so that was the date of creation uh, from Bishop James Usher. Uh, verse 24, let's pick it up now because they, young earth say that the dinosaurs are in day six. Old earth, they're in day five. Now this is where a young earth approach would say the dinosaurs appear. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. So dinosaurs and And people are in the same day, day six, in our likeness, 
so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Now, just a little side note that is the um, biggest question in all of church history. The question that we want to ask God first when we get to heaven. Where did Cain get his wife from? Okay, that's the question everybody asks, you know, because Adam and Eve, they have um, children. Uh, Cain kills Abel, and then there's Seth, so there's just the two boys. Well, the answer is they lived a very long time. And in Genesis 5, verse 4, it says that they had other children. And so this represents other children scattered all over. There are plenty of population, population explosion, their children, their children. Now, there is kind of a yuck factor because you're marrying people that are relatively close to you, um, you know, in in, in relations. And and we frown on that in Southern California. I grew up in Virginia, and it was no big deal, you know, so... um, But... uh, (laughs) Actually, okay, this is terrible. This is not taped, and this is not online, so I can say this. In our church in Homer, there were first, two first cousins married uh, in our church there. So it's not frowned on in Homer, New York, or in Prince George, Virginia. But in most other places, here in Southern California, we frown on uh, too close of relations um, uh, getting married to each other. But, but back then, the argument would be is that um, this would not cause genetic defections uh, early on. But the danger would come is as it accumulates over time, that's when the danger would come. That's why... Uh, Moses with his law in 1400 BC, now he says, do not marry a close relation because then that would cause genetic uh, defects if you do it today or if you did it uh, from that time forward. But in this early period, um, that would not be a problem. Okay, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, how does we explain how the earth looks so old? And this is a struggle. Like, you know, isn't that um, God fooling us? And so the old earth people would say God wouldn't fool uh, the scientists that say it, it looks really old. Well, what the, new, the young earth approach would be is that the flood makes the earth look much older than it, than it actually is. I mean, you think about... Um, uh, the, the upheaval that would take place of a universal flood and how there would be upheaval and, and then sediment that would settle under the fossils and the dead bodies and then there'd be upheaval again and then it would settle again. And so tremendous destruction power of a catastrophic flood, a cataclysmic flood, that explains the impact of the flood on fossils is what makes the earth look older than it actually is and it gives the appearance of these fossils in all kinds of different sediment areas. It would give the appearance of great age. And what young earthers would say is when you look at the geological record and at the fossil record, it looks exactly the way it would if there was a cataclysmic flood. Um, Genesis chapter 7, in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth. So we believe water came up from within the earth. 
And then the floodgates of the heavens were opened. Uh, we believe that there was, um, that it had not rained until this time. So there's this thick atmosphere around the earth, but then it all deluges. It's not like one of our typical rains. Whatever that is, who knows what rain is? I'm not exactly sure. I read about it and see about it in other parts of the country, but um, uh, we don't know what that is. And rain, but it's much greater and much greater impact, a much greater cataclysmic impact. And rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. Uh, so, uh, what the young earth uh, approach is is that people and dinosaurs lived at the same time. And they will actually point to some fossil records that show humans at the same time as the dinosaurs. And that would be a debatable point, but they would point to some evidence for humans and dinosaurs being here at, at the same time. They, uh, a young earth approach would say that Job is talking about a dinosaur in Job chapter 40. Uh, look at Behemoth, which I made along with you, and which feeds on the grass and the grass like an ox. What strength it has in its loins, what power in the muscles of its belly. Its tail sways like a cedar. Okay, now this is interesting. Uh, what um, old earth people would say is Job is describing, oh, does anybody want to guess what he's describing? Just for fun. Animal planet time. Okay, a hippopotamus. Uh, that's what old earthers would say. Young earthers would say he's describing uh, very good detail a brachiosaurus. So uh, young earthers would say this is a brachiosaurus uh, because on the uh, they would say, well, a hippo doesn't have a tail that sways like a cedar. Uh, well, what the uh, old earth people would say is is that this Hebrew word for tail has multiple meanings, including a big rump. Okay. I don't have to illustrate, I guess. Okay, at any rate, <laughs> Pastor Brian, no, no, I just get it. I just get it. I just get it. Um, okay, um, it, they would say it's not just a tail. I did not think this through carefully. Okay, yeah. It, not just a tail, but a big muscular rump. And that is exactly, yes, that is, that would be an awkward, somebody just walks in and what? Um, okay, that, that they would say, this could be, and there's poetic license in this as well. So old earth would say this is a hippopotamus. Young earth would say this is a brachiosaurus. Its tail sways like a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are close-knit. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs like rods of iron. It ranks first among the works of God, yet its maker can approach it with his sword. God is not intimidated by a dinosaur. The hills bring it their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus plants it lies, hidden among the reeds in the marsh. The lotuses conceal it in their shadow. The poplars by the stream surround it. A raging river does not alarm it. It is secure, though the Jordan should surge against its mouth. Can anyone capture it by the eyes or trap it and pierce its nose? So young earth, a dinosaur, old earth, a hippopotamus, which, by the way, interesting thing about hippopotamus, well, you'll, you'll know the answer when I say this. What's considered the most dangerous animal in Africa, the continent of Africa? What kills the most number of people? It's not a lion. It's a hippopotamus. Very dangerous animal. Very, we had some missionary um, a couple from our church or connected with our church, and they had a young girl from Haiti that was visiting on a missions trip. And they were doing a rafting trip, and they didn't think there were hippopotamuses in that part of the river in Africa. And her raft got in between a hippopotamus mother and her child, and she was terribly killed. And, and just as an awful thing, hippopotamuses are extremely dangerous. Okay, that's your lesson of the night. Don't swim with hippopotamuses. They look cute, but they are dangerous. Okay, you go to Job chapter 41, there's Leviathan. 
Uh, young Earth would say that's a dinosaur. Old Earth would say, anybody want to guess? Well, if you just have looked ahead on that, a crocodile. So Young Earth, uh, uh, dinosaur, Leviathan in chapter 41 of Job, Old Earth, uh, crocodile. One thing Young Earthers will say is that it's very interesting how in almost all ancient literature, you know, dating back, oral tradition, passed along by campfires from, you know, generation to generation until they were finally written down when writing was created. You have this concept of dragons, and they would say that dragons in ancient literature is possibly the description uh, when man cohabited at the same time as dinosaurs. Okay, how did the dinosaurs extinct according to the young earth position? It was due to the flood. The flood is the key to a young earth position. The flood causes the chaos that we see in the geological record. The flood makes things look older. The flood um, caused the dinosaurs to go extinct. Uh, Some were killed in the flood. Okay, some were killed in the flood. Uh, Some survived on the ark in their young adult size. They didn't bring them on as adult size. They brought them in possibly in young adult form. But even those that survived the flood eventually died due to the atmospheric changes that took place after the flood. Okay, let's wrap it up and get to our sloppy joes. I love sloppy joes. I was one of those rare kids. How many of you like school cafeteria food? Anybody? I love school cafeteria food. And I love airplane food. I love airplane food. I love hospital cafeteria food. I'm telling you. I love it all, and I guarantee you the Sloppy Joes are better than school food when we get out there. Okay. All right. Let's wrap it up. What does everyone agree on? Okay? Uh, Everyone agrees on, on these three things. Only God can explain the origin of the universe. And you've heard me do this before where, you know, people say, well, the universe is really old. And, it, and it's a really big place. But when you put in all the factors that have to be perfect for the origin of life, as old as, as old earthers believe it is, it's not old enough. And as big as the universe is, it's not big enough. And you've seen me do the numbers where the chances are one and ten to the, you know, like what, 30 zeros after it that life happened by accident. Only God can explain creation. Only God can explain certain sudden, dramatic transitions within the geological record. There are things like the Cambrian explosion that are just like, I mean, scientists are just dumbfounded. How did that happen? Just boom! And, and, and all this happens, you know. Well, a, a young earther would say that happened in 24-hour days in spurts. A day-ager would say it happened with God's explosion of, of creative activity over long periods of time or at the end of a long period of time. Uh, The lack of a transitional fossil record is something that both young earth and old earth point to and say there are no in-betweens to explain gradual gradation from one to another form. You just don't find those transitional forms. So old earth and young earth would both look at those as evidence for the existence of God. Whether you're young earth or old earth, um, it all points, all the evidence points to the fact that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we can get along if we can agree on that. Okay. No fights in the parking lot. There can be discussions over dinner. Discussions over Sloppy Joe are allowed. Uh, Fights in the parking lot are not allowed. Let's stand up and let's close in prayer. And next week, today we have scientific warfare. Next week, Pastor Brian 
spiritual warfare. Are you going to preach in armor? Are you going to preach in full armor? I think that would be cool. I think just a big rough. Okay, yes, yes. There's got to be some armor for that as well to protect you. So, okay, here we go. Lord, uh, thank you for these things. Thank you that, that we never have to be afraid of science. Science is our friend. Science simply explains the world that you made. And every time we find new details and more indications of the awesomeness of your power to create this universe, the more we are in awe of you. And so thank you, Lord, that we can have confident, open, frank discussions on this, debates even. And it's okay because we know that no matter how you did it or when you did it, you did it. And for that, we thank you and give you praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Have fun at dinner.